Why owe you guys an apology? Um, we talk, we're going through the symbols of the Holy Spirit, and last week I talked about logos, and I made mention about this Pacer logo, and they're called the Pacers because a guy who helped invent the pacemaker is from Indiana. Um, I got a bad line of information on that. <clears throat> it is the pace car and racing, so... Um, Somebody fed me a bag of goods, so I need to apologize for that. Um, it is racing, but uh, Indiana did have a big part in the pacemaker, too. But anyway, so we good? We all good? You guys forgive me? It's called grace, right? You have some? Okay, thanks. Appreciate that. All right, well, today we're going to continue with the symbols of the Holy Spirit, and we're going to talk about um, we're going to talk about fire. One of the things that we mentioned is that we can understand a company's uh, purpose and direction and so on by the logos and the branding that they use. And the Bible gives us keys to the personality of the Holy Spirit by the symbols that it uses to explain or describe the personality and the personhood of the Holy Spirit. Here's my prayer for you, and this is why I'm going through this. I do not want this to be an intellectual exercise for you or for me. I don't want us to say, oh, the Holy Spirit's like wind, and it means X, Y, Z, or the Holy Spirit's like fire, and it means X, Y, Z. I want you to experience it for yourself. In that relationship with God, I want you to experience the Holy Spirit in your life like a wind, like a fire, like wine and water and everything else. I want you to experience that for yourself. I want you not just to have intellectual knowledge, but have an experiential knowledge of the Holy Spirit in your life to strengthen that relationship. Does that make sense for everybody? Right? You, you can have knowledge of something, but not experiential knowledge. Right? I knew about Lynn before we started dating. But now I've experienced Lynn in conversations and trips and laughing and joking and things that I shouldn't joke about that she doesn't think are funny. You know, that's just part of marriage. It's one thing to know what an apple is supposed to taste like. It's a whole different thing when you bite into the apple, right? This is what we want from the Holy Spirit. And so today we're going to look at fire. The Bible explains the Holy Spirit and uses the symbol of fire for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit as fire, when you think about fire and all of the different things that fire does, fire purifies metal, fire is used to heat up pottery, fire is used to contain other fires. When I think about the fire of the Holy Spirit operating in my life, and the fire of the Holy Spirit contains the other natural fires that my flesh would have me run out of control with. Does that make sense? It says, no, those sinful desires, that desire to flip that person off when they cut me off, right? Um, honestly, that desire is not even there, but I know a lot of people have it. Um, you don't need to raise your hand. This isn't a participatory part of the service. You know, Thursday... Uh, my son had been wanting to go to Noah's Ark Water Park all last year. He said, I want to go to Noah's Ark Water Park, Noah's Ark, and it's in the Dells in Wisconsin. And so for Christmas, we bought four tickets. That was his Christmas present, four tickets to the Wisconsin Dells to Noah's Ark Water Park. It's the largest water park in the United States. What's it doing in Wisconsin? I don't know, right? That makes no sense. But it's there. 
So for Christmas, we got him four tickets, and so we took two of his friends, and another dad went with me, and we're, we're waiting in line, me and this, his friend's dad, and we're waiting in line, and like three people just cut us, boom, in line. Now, we've been waiting for already 20 minutes to get on this ride. And the lady in front of us, who they cut, they cut in between, the lady that was on the other side of them, turned around and said something really horribly passive-aggressive and snarky to me about the people between us. And I thought, okay, Tyson, Holy Spirit time. I need the Holy Spirit to kick in because now not only am I dealing with the cutters, but I'm dealing with this woman who's being horribly passive-aggressive and mean and not Jesus-like, which probably doesn't know Jesus, and I've got to hold it together, right? And so I thought, okay, grace, 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 grace. Grace upon grace upon grace. There's like a song like that, right? They should write a song. But the fire of the Holy Spirit contains, contains my flesh of what my flesh wants to do, right? It says, okay, don't run out of control with this. And so the fire can be used to contain other fires. Our primary passage is Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, where John the Baptist talks about the baptism of Jesus and his baptism, and he compares and he contrasts the two. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, John the Baptist says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, John the Baptist, knowingly or unknowingly, points to God's plan in baptism. He points to God's plan, not of only repentance, but of being filled with the Spirit and the fire of the Holy Spirit working and operating in our lives. This is the plan in the Bible, whenever you, you read Scripture, you're going to find that there are types and shadows of things to come. And one of those things that we see is baptism represented in the planet itself, in creation. That God baptizes creation as a type and a shadow or a signpost of things to come. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. He's talking about, Peter here is talking about when the new heavens and the new earth come. And before the new heavens and the new earth come, the earth is going to be baptized in fire. And when we think about baptism, what is it? It's dying to an old way and being raised to a new life. So Peter says that, before heaven and earth come together, the earth is going to be baptized in fire and then raised as a new earth. Are you with me? We have water baptism with the earth in Genesis chapter 6, 9 through 22. The earth is baptized with water with the flood of Noah. So there is the baptism with water in Noah, and God cleanses the earth, and it's starting new and fresh again. 
And then we have at the end, before heaven and earth become one and begin to work together, a baptism by fire. And John the Baptist says, I come to baptize you with water. Jesus comes to baptize you with fire in the Holy Spirit. And so fire is symbol of the Holy Spirit. In 2 Peter 3, 10 through 13, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. We've just read this. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and earth, and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you be? You ought to live holy and godly lives. As you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming, that day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire, and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. It's always been God's plan that heaven and earth should work together. What did Jesus pray? Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. This has always been God's plan. And so I want you to notice specifically, when we talk about the fire of the Holy Spirit, notice the pattern. It's not only in Scripture with the planet itself, but it's a pattern for our lives as well. And so the pattern in the earth is a signpost or a type and shadow of what should happen in our lives as well. There should be a baptism where we are repenting and a baptism where we are in the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes with fire. Now, what does it mean to be baptized in this fire? What does it mean to have the fire of the Holy Spirit as a symbol? Number one, as I, as I said earlier, fire is a purifying agent. Fire is an agent that purifies so when John is comparing the fire of the Holy Spirit that Jesus is going to bring, he's saying that when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, he will begin to purify things. He'll begin to clean things out. He will begin to work out in you the things that were there that you either, uh, Brent and I were just talking about this in the office before service, whether it's by nurture or by nature or a combination of both, there are certain things in our lives that get into our ha- that become habits because of our belief systems and so on, that the Holy Spirit says, now I now need to start purging this stuff out because it's become a way of life, it's become a way of thinking, you believe this, and I need to begin to purge and clean this out. And so with the baptism of water, you're saying, I repent, I want Christ in my life, and then in the baptism of fire, you say, okay, God, now Begin to clean this stuff out. Begin to come in and purify my life. Clean this out so that I look differently from the world, that I live differently for the world, that there is a passion and a fire in me that's purifying me. When I think about fire, I think about... You ever seen that show, Forged in Fire, anybody? Right? It's like one of those shows that I actually binge... And I don't binge a whole lot of shows, like two, and that was, that's one of them. And, and Lynn says, can we watch something else? I know what that means. That means go to the Hallmark Channel. So every guy knows what that means. Can we watch something else? Yeah, that means Hallmark. So I'm joking. It's a joke. So anyway, we watch, as we watch Forge and Fire, and they stick that metal and that steel in that fire. What are they doing? They're melting it down. They're purifying the steel so they can bend it and mold it how they want. They're getting the impurities out of the fire, or I'm saying impurities out of the metal. And so when I think about my life in the fire of the Holy Spirit, 
I'm saying, God, bend me, shape me, restructure me, get the impurities out of my life. Now, when you come to Christ and you're born again and you accept Jesus, you're as saved and as holy as you're ever going to be in your spirit. But there's a part of us that's still adapted to the old man and the old way of things. And so the Holy Spirit has to come in and begin to draw that stuff out and reshape us and reform us. And some of the things that we believe about ourselves God says, no, no, stop believing that way, right? When Paul writes the renewing of the mind, we have to renew our mind. That's bending, that's shaping, that's drawing out the stuff that shouldn't be there. Out of our natural man, God says, no, it's got to shift, it's got to change. I think it's interesting that in Malachi chapter 2, 17, or chapter 2, 17 through chapter 3, verse 16, He's talking about sacrifice. And in there he says that the sacrifice is burned up with a refiner's fire. A refiner's fire. It's not a forest fire that just indiscriminately destroys everything or just goes through, right, goes through the forest and just kills everything in its path. It's not an indiscriminate fire that just consumes everything and doesn't care about anything. Malachi calls it a refiner's fire. And a refiner's fire has intention and purpose. And when I think about the fire of the Holy Spirit burning in my life, I think that the Holy Spirit comes in with intention. One thing that I know about God, he never does anything randomly just because. That he has purpose and order and intent behind his actions. And so he sends in the Holy Spirit as fire to intentionally begin to do things. Now, how does Malachi relate to us? Well, Paul writes in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. He compares your body and your way of living as a sacrifice. Just like Malachi is talking about sacrifice. So if I'm going to sacrifice and give who I am and what I am to God, I should expect to be baptized in the fire of the Holy Spirit and let the fire of the Holy Spirit begin to purify me as a refiner's fire as Malachi talks about. Has the Holy Spirit ever dealt with you on that in that way? Let me see, let me see your hands. Okay, hold your hand up for a minute. Some of you don't know if the Holy Spirit's ever dealt with you or not, right? <laughs> okay, so leave your hands up. Leave your hand up if it hurt or it was a struggle or it was, yes, yes. Put your hands down. Why? Because that's the battle between your spirit which is purified, and your natural nature that's still being transformed into the image of Christ. Look at your neighbor and say, love the process. Look at, turn, to, turn to one neighbor and say, love the process. Now look at the other neighbor more than the outcome. You realize what you just said, right? You got to love the process because if you just love the outcome, You'll get fed up with the process. But what I have found is if I love the process with the idea of knowing what the end result is, if 
I love the process, I'll keep with the process once I reach the desired point. I'll just keep going because now it's become a part of my life. And if I love the process of the Holy Spirit working in me and working through me, then when something gets to the point where the Holy Spirit, like I talked about, like flipping off the driver, I really don't, it doesn't even cross my mind. But I find that, okay, what else are you wanting to work out? I love the process. And I continue to become more and more of what the Holy Spirit wants out of me. When you love the process, it becomes a part of who you are, so it becomes a lifestyle. If I just love the outcome, then I'll get to the outcome and be like, okay, yep, I'm not tempted to flip anybody off anymore, so I'm not worried about that process. But that's, we're supposed to be continually growing, allowing the Holy Spirit to continue to work things out of us and work through us. So, yep, I got you, Holy Spirit. Yes, thank you for loving me to this point and helping me through to this point. I love what Samuel Chadwick, a Wesleyan pastor, once said. He said this, Spirit-filled souls are ablaze for God, and they love with a love that glows. They serve with a faith that kindles. They serve with a devotion that consumes. They hate sin with fierceness that burns, and they rejoice with a joy that radiates. Love is perfected in the fire of God. Spirit-filled souls are ablaze for God. They love with a love that glows. Love is perfected in the fire of God. They love that process. They love that growing. They love that becoming. That's part of the purifying aspect of the Holy Spirit. As you begin to fall in love with him and you begin to realize how much he loves you. And that he does work it out for your good. So that in your good, when you receive that, you can give him glory for it. And point others to him. Number two. You know what else fire is? Fire is passion. Fire is passion. Hands down, passion. You're like, Tyson, come on. Now, this is silly. Fire has no feelings or no emotions. It's an inanimate object. Okay, I hear you. But I want you to think about something for a moment. What is fire at a molecular level? Fire at a molecular level simply means the molecules begin to move faster until they're what? Bumping into one another and colliding. And that collision of those microscopic molecules in the air, as they collide, that collision you see becomes red, yellow, and the faster they move, the faster they move, you go from, uh, what's it, orange, yellow, blue to white, right? That white heat, they're moving so fast that you can see right through it, but you can feel the heat. You know what I know about people with passion? They're moving. People with passion aren't binging on Netflix and eating chips. They just don't, right? They, they, I, I don't know anybody that has a passion for, unless you just have a passion for eating chips and watching Netflix, <laughs> right? But most, that's not, passion is movement and excitement. When I get around people who are passionate for God, they're moving for the things of God. They're moving with the things of God. And when you get next to them, your spirit jumps. Because they hit you and it's like, oh man, yes. And if you're around them long enough, you start to move faster towards the things of God. And then you go next to somebody else and you hit them and you start, so that when we come in here, we should all be white flames on fire for the Holy Spirit moving in the service so that when we go out there and we start bumping up against those that have no fire, we're radiating that heat to people 
that say, what do you have? Well, come to the center of the fire because you need some of this radiation. You need some of this movement, right? And then we fuel each other's fire and then we go back out. This is what we're called to do. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. Psalm 69 verse 9 is a prophecy about Jesus clearing the temple when he says, the passion for your house has consumed me. Jesus was consumed with passion for the house of God. David was consumed with passion for the house of God. He said, I would rather be in God's house than anywhere else. The Holy Spirit and fire, fire is passionate and moving. You know, when I get, when I get near a fire, how many of you have ever been near a fire? I'm just, everybody's been near a fire, right, at some point? Okay. When you get near a fire, it warms, right? Why? Because the closer you get to the fire, the faster the air molecules are moving, and the molecules in your body begin to get bumped up against, and that's heat, and they're moving fast. Without fire... It's cold. It's cold. And I know plenty of cold Christians, indifferent Christians. Don't you? I know plenty of Christians that are like, yeah, whatever. I don't, I don't need that in my life. I need to be around people that are bumping up against each other with the passion and the fire of the Holy Spirit. Fire cooks, doesn't it? Fire cooks. You can cook things with fire. We have controlled fire. If you have a gas stove, right, you can control fire. Fire cooks things. And as I consume the word of God with the Holy Spirit and the fire of the Holy Spirit in my life, it begins to cook the word, so to speak, so that it serves it up and I can, I can read it and I begin to understand it. Oh, that makes sense now. I see it. And then I'm, the Holy Spirit illuminates Scripture for me, so that it heats, it heats up and I can see it and I can partake of the scripture and I understand it. And I don't just intellectually understand it, but I begin to live it in my life and I become passionate for it and I become full of the word of God. We need to be overweight Christians. We need to be, <laughs> some of you are like, yeah, okay, I don't have to exercise. We need to be Christians who are so overweight spiritually. That the devil doesn't want to mess with us because we'll sumo wrestle him to the ground. Right? Come on, Satan, get in the ring with me because I'm so full of the passion and the fire and the knowledge and the word of God that I'm ready to go. Let's go. Right? Here's the other thing. Fire is power for movement. Locomotives, ships, steam power. It's power for movement. Is it not? And so with the Holy Spirit and the fire of the Holy Spirit in our lives, not only are we being purified and cleaned out of the things that, that ought not be there, but we're moving forward in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why in Acts chapter 2, the Bible says that it came with wind, and we talked about wind last night, or last night. I don't even know, where was I? I was on the couch last night. I was eating chips, and that, see, I preached to myself. So... <laughs> Anyway, fire moves things. In Acts chapter 2, we have the wind and the fire. Last week, we talked about wind, that wind pushes the sails. Fire powers the engine. 
And in Acts chapter 2, if you take those two pictures, you get not only wind pushing the ship of the church and the movement of the church, but you get fire pushing the church as well with that imagery. And that's what we're called to. We're called to move. Why? Because those molecules banging around push that ship and push that train out. It moves it. And so when you come across somebody who's like, I'm a Christian, and I have the Holy Spirit in me, then we probably should see some movement in their life, shouldn't we? We should see some, I should see movement in my life towards the things of God and down the tracks of God and the way he's, and the way he's taking me. I should see that in my life. Not just contentment with where I'm at. And then the third thing, fire prevents predators. Fire prevents predators. And I'm just going to give you two examples. Notice I said it does not prevent an attack. Or I said it, doesn't, it, does, it does not stop an attack. I didn't say it will stop an attack, but it will prevent it. Let me give you an example. Where we live, we have a fire pit. It's more like a bonfire than a fire pit. We have a bonfire area. And we had some friends over one night, and we had a fire going. And we're sitting around the fire, and we're just talking. And suddenly out behind our shed, which is probably, I don't know, 20 yards, 25 yards or so, out behind our shed, we hear a pack of coyotes about 25 yards off. And my wife's sitting in her chair. She's smiling because she knows the story. She's sitting in her chair, and she goes, what was that? And me and the couple guys were like, coyotes. She's like, they're right over there by the shed. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, mm-mm. She, I have... I've only seen her move that fast one other time in my life, and it was in Sanibel a week or two ago when somebody yelled shark on the beach. <laughs> she literally swam over the top of me. That's a different story. But the guy standing around the bonfire said, oh, just get close to the fire. There's a bunch of us. There's not just one of us. There's a bunch of us. Get around the fire. It'll be fine. They'll go on. She didn't believe that. She took off in the dark towards the house by herself. I'm like, there's safety in numbers, honey. This, we don't, don't do that, even if it's in our yard. you know. Um, but it prevents. Fire prevents a possible attack. It won't always stop it. You will be attacked by the enemy. He's real. But it will prevent a lot. Another example, I went camping with my oldest son, and I had to put the fire out like I was supposed to, to be responsible, put the fire out. We go, we get in the tent. Oh, somewhere about two in the morning, I hear the yipping of coyotes, a pack of coyotes. I'm like, oh. And then I suddenly, like, you can hear them yipping and getting closer to the camp. So I reach over, and I grab my axe, and I grab my buck knife, and I'm just kind of sitting there. I thought, if they attack the tent, they'll do some damage. I'll do some damage. We'll survive. We'll figure this out. Well, they come running through the camp, and they run right between the tent and where the fire was. They weren't afraid. They didn't care. So nothing happened. 
but they just ran through. Fire will prevent, in the spiritual world, it will prevent and cause the enemy to think twice. Do I want to mess with this Christian who's on fire with the Holy Spirit and got things going in their life? Do I, and if I mess with them, how am I going to mess with them? The fire of the Holy Spirit will prevent the enemy at times from a full-on attack. But if we become complacent in our Christianity, if we become complacent in our walk, we become weak, we become indifferent, then the enemy says, okay, there's somebody right there. There's somebody right there that I can attack, that I can, that I can go after. Maybe I can get them to doubt. Maybe I can get them to question their faith. Maybe I can get them to... But he's not so much quick to attack somebody who's on fire for God and, and wanting to live for God. And so when I think about fire as a symbol of the Holy Spirit, and John the Baptist says that Jesus will baptize us with the Holy Spirit and with fire, that I should see the Holy Spirit working in my life, purifying and drawing things out of me, shaping me and molding me, purifying me. I should see, I should see that fire is passionate. I should be around other people. I should see the Holy Spirit working in their life so that when I get around them, I want, I want to talk about God. I want to see the things of God in their life. I want to discuss scripture and I want to, what's God doing in your life? And the third thing is, is that the fire of the Holy Spirit will at times prevent the enemy and cause him to think twice before he attacks. So when you read through Scripture and you see the fire of the Holy Spirit, may you consider and think about how's the Holy Spirit empowering you to move down the tracks of life? How's he purifying you and causing you to move forward? Are you on fire? Can, can you sense your spirit and your soul on fire for God in such a way that it's just moving, man? It's just like those molecules and it's movement. Or are you like, yeah, it's time to go to church again. Is it time to, it's time to go to to Bible study. It's time to, is it, is it I have to go to church or I get to go to church? Is it I have to sit here in the Bible study or do I get to sit in the Bible study? We'll tell you a lot about whether or not the Holy Spirit is at work and moving and you're excited to have the fire of the Holy Spirit operating in your life. Let's stand up this morning. I want to invite you to Think about if I can, if I can have, um, if I can have Aaron and Lori, and Stephen and Josh come down here and pray for prayer as we close out with song. If you're here this morning and maybe you're just not there with the Holy Spirit, maybe you've just kind of let the Holy Spirit, that fire of the Holy Spirit, just kind of kindle, just down to an ember. Maybe you've said, "Man." I need to rekindle that fire, stoke that fire. We want to pray with you. If you're here this morning and you need prayer for anything else, maybe you just need, man, I, I need Jesus in my life. I want Jesus control, in control of my life, and I want to repent of my sins and accept Christ. I'm going to invite you to come forward. If you need prayer for anything else, as we close out in song, I'm going to invite you to come forward. We want to pray with you. You guys ready to have an amazing week? Listen, go forward. Find somebody that you can bump up against 
rekindle that spark, that flame, the fire of the Holy Spirit. Let him work in your life, shape you, mend you, mold you. You guys have an amazing week. Bring back somebody next week. We love you. We'll see you next week.